We're continuing our look this evening at the lives of the Twelve Apostles. Last week we looked at Philip. Tonight we want to look at his close friend, Nathaniel. Now, if you're sitting there thinking about that list of the 12 guys that you might have learned as a child, then you're running through them and you think, I don't remember any Nathaniel being in there. Well, you're right, technically speaking, about those lists. But from ancient times, Nathaniel has been identified with Bartholomew. And in fact, in the three lists of the 12 in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Philip and Bartholomew's names appear right together, Philip and Bartholomew. Bartholomew was not a given name. Now, it's a given name today. It's people's first name. But for a first century Jew, this was a, a surname, a last name. Bar is a prefix, some of you may remember this, that means son of. The same way that we have son tacked on to the end of the name in English, Johnson, Williamson, Williamson or uh, Mick in Scottish, Scotland, McCain, for example, and a number of other prefixes, suffixes that we could name all around the world. This is a common phenomenon. So Bartholomew means the son of Tolmai. He's Nathaniel, son of Tolmai. Nathaniel Bartolmai. Nathaniel Bartholomew. The Synoptic Gospels don't give us any more information about Nathaniel's background or character. He's only a list, or he's only a name in the list when they call the roll there. It's up to John's Gospel to reveal more about him. And all we learn about him comes from two passages in John. John chapter 1, where his call to follow Jesus is recorded. And then in John chapter 21, in verse number 2, where Nathanael is listed as one of those who goes fishing with Peter after Jesus' resurrection. Now, of those two stories, the story of his call to discipleship in John chapter 1 is by far the most revealing. That's the one we want to look at together this evening. Uh, listen as I read John 1, beginning in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael. You see the way they're associated again, just like Philip and Bartho Bartholomew. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here comes Philip to his friend Nathaniel with good news. Wonderful news. 
We found the one Moses wrote about. The one the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response is pretty memorable. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What's going on here? John 21 verse 2 tells us that Nathanael was from Cana in Galilee, another small nearby village. This isn't a rational response. This is an emotional response. Cana was a rival town to Nazareth. Nathanael didn't like people from Nazareth. There was bad blood there. I think the way I put it last week in mentioning this in passing was that you know, the yearly football game between Cana and Nazareth was the, the biggest one of the season. Man, that's the one that everybody turned out for. Now, Cana wasn't exactly a garden spot, all right? It was an even tinier, even less important town than Nazareth was. I mean, Nazareth was at least at a crossroads. Nobody went to Cana. Even today, unless you're going specifically to see the shrine that's been built there where supposedly Jesus turned the water into wine, you don't go to Cana. There's nothing else there. You might happen to pass through Nazareth on the way to somewhere else. Nobody passed through Cana. You had to be intending to go there. And for the most part, people weren't intending to go there. But with all of that said, Nazareth did have a bad reputation. Its citizens were regarded as uneducated. Its culture was unrefined. It wasn't even in a picturesque setting. You know, Judeans looked down on Galileans. Judeans thought of Galileans as country bumpkins, hillbillies. But even other Galileans looked down on Nazareth. It's a tacky place. Could the Messiah really be from there? So in asking that question, Nathaniel's just reflecting a, a common prejudice that probably most people would have shared with him. And in fact, a lot of people who were Jesus' contemporaries rejected him for just that same type of prejudice. A lot of people didn't believe that it was possible that not only the Messiah, but that all of his apostles could be from Galilee. Nicodemus, John chapter 7, stands up to defend Jesus, and the Pharisees laugh at him, basically. They say, are you from Galilee too? Search and see. No prophet comes out of Galilee. Or you could think about on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, that everybody there is amazed to hear all of these guys speaking in their own languages. Aren't all these guys Galileans? That is, aren't these a bunch of rubes? How could they have possibly learned all these languages? But you can even see this same sort of prejudice in Jesus' own hometown. Uh, slightly, coming from a slightly different place, but the, the same sort of feeling. Jesus starts to preach there in the synagogue and the response is essentially, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Joseph's boy? And they're so enraged that he has to get out of town because they're going to kill him because he has the audacity to preach to them. 
What sets Nathaniel apart is that fortunately, unlike so many of his countrymen, he was able to overcome that prejudice. Philip says to him, we read it a moment ago, come and see. And so he did. Nathaniel had a seeking heart. And what we read in this brief incident reveals a great deal of insight into his character. And it tells us probably why Jesus chose this man to be his apostle. The first thing that stands out is his love of Scripture. Look at how Philip announces to Nathaniel that he's found the Messiah. Verse 45, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The truth of Scripture clearly mattered a great deal to Nathaniel. And Philip knew him well, so Philip knew that. And so he presents Jesus to him from this standpoint of the one who fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Philip and Nathaniel, we might imagine, probably studied the Scriptures together. It could be, it's a little ambiguous if you go back to verse 43 when Jesus first picks up Philip there. It says he decides to go to Galilee. It's not really clear if he's already back in Galilee or if this just, is just sort of on the way and he's still in the wilderness where John the Baptist was. But it could be, if they're still in the wilderness, that Philip and Nathaniel had actually gone to hear John the Baptist together. We don't know. In any case, Philip knew that this news would excite Nathaniel. We found the one that the scriptures are pointing to. I think it's just as interesting what Philip did not say about Jesus. He didn't say, I found a man who has a wonderful plan for your life. He didn't say, I found a man who's going to fix all your personal problems. He's going to fix your marriage. He's going to set you straight. He didn't say, I, I found a man who is going to make you prosperous and healthy. You see, that's the way that people so often try to present Jesus today. It's all about what's in it for me. What's Jesus going to do for me? You turn on the television and watch some of these televangelists. You go check out the religious corner in your bookstore, and you're going to find this ideas behind a lot of popular presentations of Jesus. But that's not at all what Philip does. Philip spoke of Jesus as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and he knew that that would pique Nathaniel's interest because he knew that Nathaniel was someone who was seeking after God, someone who was devoted to God. You might imagine that I get the feeling there's even a, a bit of surprise here in Philip's voice. You're never going to believe this. We found the Messiah. Jesus? Yeah, the, the guy from Nazareth? Joseph's son? Maybe they even knew each other from way back. Who knows? Those towns weren't too far apart. Yeah, Jesus, the carpenter's son from Nazareth. He's the one. We see, secondly, that Nathaniel had great sincerity of heart. And this most important insight into his character comes from Jesus himself. Jesus knew Nathanael already. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit, a man who's honest, 
a man in whom there is no guile. Jesus knew Nathaniel, but he didn't have to say that, did he? He could have said, yeah, I know you. You're the guy who thinks that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Well, I got news for you, buddy. Here I am, God in the flesh. Guess you feel pretty silly now, huh? But Jesus didn't do that. And what he says in knowing Nathaniel is really telling. He was pure-hearted from the beginning. Did Nathaniel have flaws? Yeah, of course he did. He's human. We all have flaws. We know about the fact that he had some prejudice to overcome. And just like all of the rest of us, he struggled with different sins. I don't know what his were personally, but, but he had his own temptations to overcome. But his heart wasn't poisoned by deceit. He was really, truly, sincerely devoted to the Lord. His love of God, his desire to know the Messiah, those things were all genuine. And that stands out because that distinguishes Nathaniel from a number of his contemporaries. They weren't so pure of heart. You know, Jesus calls him here also, not only that in whom there's no deceit, he calls him an Israelite indeed. That is, he's really, truly, genuinely an Israelite. And this isn't about genetics. This is, again, about the condition of his heart. It's about his devotion to God. We know about the status of a lot of his fellow Jews in the first century. You pick that up from the Gospels. You pick that up from some of Paul's writings. They lived their lives with a, a veneer of piety, but it was only pretense. It was only skin deep. It was all there at the surface. Think of what Paul writes, Romans chapter 9, beginning of verse 6, Not all who were descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. Or again, Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. Nathaniel was an Israelite indeed. He was an authentic Jew. He was a spiritual descendant of Abraham because his heart was right his heart was circumcised he had this sincere devotion to God his faith was authentic that brings us to the third and final thing we want to note about Nathaniel this eager faith that he demonstrated and you see that come through in his response to Jesus in verse 48 you know, Jesus says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said, How do you know me? Nathanael is still questioning whether or not this man could possibly be the Messiah. Now, I don't think here he's questioning the judgment of his friend Philip. We looked at Philip last week, and if you were here and you remember anything about Philip, you know Philip is not the type to rush to judgment. He's made a, a cautious decision. So it's not about that. But it's just that this man didn't meet his preconceptions. Is he really 
who Philip says he is? Could the Messiah possibly be this guy from Nazareth? He's not even sure, you know, where does that come from, this business about an Israelite? Indeed, is, is he just trying to butter Nathaniel up? You know, who knows what's going on here? Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This isn't flattery. It's omniscience. Nathaniel knew that there was no way possible Jesus saw him under the fig tree. He wasn't physically present. Some have even speculated that this fig tree was perhaps Nathaniel's place of prayer and study and meditation. So that when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, effectively what he's saying is, I know your heart because I know what it is you do under the fig tree. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but at any rate, what Jesus said is sufficient to convince Nathanael. Rabbi, you're the son of God, verse 49. You are the king of Israel. Son of God, the Christ, the king of Israel. If you were in our Sunday morning Bible class this morning, we looked at John's gospel. This is the whole reason that John wrote his gospel. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John says that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that aren't written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing you might have life in his name. Everything that John writes about in this gospel, all the stories, all the miracles that John normally refers to as signs, all of the teaching, all of it is designed to get people to understand that Jesus is the Christ, that is, he's the King of Israel, and get them to realize that he's the Son of God, to believe that. But here, in the very beginning, Nathaniel recognizes that right off the bat. Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Remember, his friend Philip, years later, still didn't get that. There in the upper room, he says, Lord, show us the Father. That's sufficient for us. Philip still didn't get it. Nathaniel gets it right here at the beginning. This Israelite indeed knew the Old Testament. He was familiar with what the prophets had said. He knew what to look for. And in spite of the fact that Jesus came from Nazareth, this was enough to persuade Nathanael. And I like what Jesus says to him in response. You believed just because I said I saw you under the fig tree? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. And that same thing is true for us, too. We can well imagine that Nathaniel was faithful to the end because he was faithful from the very beginning. May we all strive to emulate that faith that he demonstrated. Just like him, we'll find that it's worth it all in the end. As Jesus said, we will see greater things than these. If you're here tonight 
and you haven't demonstrated that faith like Nathaniel. You don't have that same sincerity of heart. You don't even have that love of Scripture that he did. And you need to make changes in your life. You have the opportunity to make your need known now while we stand and while we sing.